Hello and welcome to Ascent's podcast, Exploring Standards. My name is Jess and in this podcast, I will be talking to the experts in the consultancy industry. At Ascent, we pride ourselves on championing international standards. And in each episode of this podcast, I will be talking to expert consultants discussing standards, ISOs, consultancy and everything in between to bring you industry knowledge and updates. My guest in today's episode is Bex Dedman, a travel and travel risk expert. In this discussion, we talk about managing travel risks with standards, in particular ISO 31030, including how ISO 31030 moves the focus of travel in an organisation from being a cost to control to focusing on the duty of care of the people in the organisation. We also discuss what is meant by a guidance standard and the future of travel-focused standards. Let's get into the chat. Good morning, I am Jess from Ascent Risk Management and today I'm talking with Bex Edmund who is a travel and travel risk expert. She is the owner of Phase A Consulting and she was awarded Business Travel Employee of the Year 2019. Uh, so how are you Bex? Oh, I'm I'm good, thanks. I wasn't expecting that to come up in my bio. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm very I'm, exciting. I'm really well, thanks, and thanks for inviting me to talk to you today. Wonderful. So, what we're talking about today, our topic is managing travel risks with standards, and in particular, thirty-one thousand and thirty. It's a mouthful, isn't it? It is a mouthful. Yeah, it's not one that rolls off the tongue. So, can you give us like a quick overview of the standard? Yeah. So, the standard itself is a guidance standard which means it's not a certifiable standard, but we can talk, we can get into that in a bit more in a second. Um, it's part of the, the risk management guidance standard family. So that's the 31,000 group, um, which in their own right are a little bit different to your normal standards because they're very much kind of around you making the decisions based on what best practice looks like around a subject because it's recognised now after sort of 27001 that actually these things are quite complex and as long as you're taking ownership of something that's that's the important piece so it fits within those standards and um it's aimed at and this is i think the thing that's really really important it's aimed at any organization so it's not aimed at just a massive company with hundreds and hundreds of employees it's aimed at any company or organization that allows their staff to travel or to move and that can be internationally or domestically as part of their job so it's and it's designed to work as well for a large company as a small company because you just take the bits that you need and that's that's the idea around it so it literally is for everyone wonderful so very flexible you can manipulate it to work for yourselves brilliant okay uh, so we kind of just briefly touched on that we'll kind of go more into so who is it for so who would be kind of like using this guidance so as far as the sort of roles, I guess, within an organisation, yeah. travel is one of these really weird things that it doesn't really sort of sit comfortably anywhere. And that's because actually it kind of overlaps to a lot of different departments. But what you normally find is that it sits either at a contract level with procurement, and that's really for the suppliers that you're using to support your travel programme, or it sits in finance as sort of price to control. And that certainly was um, true going into the pandemic, so sort of pre-2020, 2019 time, people were traveling so much, it simply just was a cost to control for many, many companies. And this idea of duty of care and, and looking after people 
was sort of a box to tick as opposed to something really important that actually you should be building your travel programs around. So that's really what this standard is sort of designed to do. And it's, it's you know, it's the first iteration and, and there'll be many to come in the future, I'm sure. But it, what it does is it puts a, a line in the sand for, for a travel manager, for a, a procurement manager, for anyone who's currently looking after travel to just sort of understand its wider remit and to have a think about it from different perspectives. So it's it's very much based on a governance style standard, mm-hmm. which is where risk comes from, because it isn't just down to one person within the company. So it's a stakeholder standard. And it's about trying to involve other people within your organization who will have a say in this. So thinking about people from data, thinking about people from HR, thinking about people from risk, if you have that within the business. And then obviously talking to the bookers and travelers themselves. So it's what this standard does is it allows you to move a travel program from being, like I said, a cost to control to being something that you really understand as a business and you put your arms around um, and you know, look after primarily your people, your assets, and your reputation. Wonderful. Okay, so um, I think we kind of just co- cover this, but if you want to add any more on, feel free. But like, why is it needed, or what is the benefit? Is there any extra benefits we haven't just discussed, or is it? <clears throat> I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can go on. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I didn't think I'd love a standard as much as I love this standard. <coughs> Excuse me. But the thing is, I've been working in travel all of my life and in every job I've had this thing has always come up this thing of what happens if something goes wrong you know Mm. what is in place and there's there's just so much of a gray area that when it does happen and unfortunately you know we we live in a world where things are going to happen and it could be minor it doesn't have to be a massive global event it could be minor on the scale of it's only affecting one person but that one person could be affected deeply by whatever mm-hmm. experience they've had um so we've never really had anyone take responsibility for this piece within the travel industry or within the kind of corporate side of it for those people that are traveling um they probably thought that by using an agent of some kind that there's they're sort of putting that they're pushing their responsibilities around but actually over the years what's that meant what that has meant is that companies have sort of lost control of their programs and they're not really sure in some cases why they're traveling at all or for what purpose and what COVID has done is really sort of changed that for us so mm-hmm. it couldn't really have come at a better time because what it's doing is giving companies a framework to have a look at and say actually we've got all of this in place, we're doing all right, but we haven't really thought about this bit, or we haven't thought about this bit. Um, for me, it's like an, um, I, call, I call it like an umbrella standard, which sounds a bit strange, but over the last five years, we've had some really big topics to tackle within companies, be that sort of diversity and inclusion, um, be that uh, traveler well-being and just general well-being, be that mental health, um, and all of these things we're, we're doing things about, but when it comes to sort of an, to how we then handle that stuff operationally, there's nothing really in place to help you. And this standard is a way of pulling all of that stuff together because it is important when your specific employee is traveling that you understand as much of them about them as possible. Yeah. So that you can look after them. And we've really got to change the rhetoric around this from actually we just care about how much money you spend to actually we really care about you 
And we want to be sure that this trip absolutely needs to happen because we want to make sure we're hitting our ESG goals. We want to make sure that we're not putting you in a situation you shouldn't be in. And if we decide that it should, then we want to make sure that we're wrapping everything around you to make sure that you're fine. So sort of gone are the days that, you know, we just jump on a plane and don't think about it anymore. That that world has changed. We have mm. to think about it now for a variety of reasons. And this standard for me just pulls it all together. Yeah, I love that. I think COVID's made everyone realise that actually travel isn't always necessary and there's a lot of things you can do, you know, without it. Um, and I think that ties in very well with this sort of um, ISO standard. It kind of goes against, it's home. It goes against the grain a little bit. And I and I stand here as a, you know, a, a travel industry professional who ultimately want people to travel because otherwise our businesses wouldn't exist. But I think we have to make a stand and realise that actually we were just doing it too much. Mm -hmm. And there is an idea of what purposeful travel is and should be. And that's something we're beginning to define now. Yeah. Um, so that's what this, this standard really helps do that. Love it. So it is a guided standard, as you mentioned earlier. Will there be any certificate scheme? This is so interesting. So all <laughs> over the internet, you're going to see stuff, things popping up um, and people talking about the fact that they can certify against the standard I've been speaking to a lot of travel companies recently because I'm working with a client and there's all sorts of different stories coming out about how they're doing it and ultimately currently it's a guidance standard mm -hmm. most standards start life in that format it's very normal because you have to kind of get people to be interested in them and want to actually sort of take them further what's particularly interesting about this standard is because it's in the risk groups they don't really bend well to certification because the whole point is you make up your own rules um, and you then have to stick to those rules and you have to prove that you're sticking to those rules. So you put everything in place, you decide what your risks are, you decide how you're going to mitigate against them and then you make sure you do it because that's, that's the point. If you ever end up in court, that's what they're going to want to see, that you've actually done what you've said you're going to do. So from that perspective, it does lead as well, itself to an audit of some description and there's already sort of some companies who are operating a sort of audit against a gap analysis for the standard yeah. which, is, which is which is great um but as for the actual piece itself becoming a full certification that's still up for debate and it's still a long way off if that was to come so the standard itself won't be rewritten probably for another sort of three to four years uh, it will stay within its format and we need people to start using it start working with it start asking questions about it and that's how it will evolve but there is another side to it. And I always see this as sort of two, two different kind of areas within this area, within travel. So you've got the corporates and the users and the owners of the programs. And then you've got the suppliers that actually service them, whether that be hotels or airlines or rail companies, whether that be the travel management companies, the online booking tools that we use. And it's, it's massive. It's so much bigger than you can possibly even imagine. Um, and actually, this side of the industry also is on the learning. We don't really understand fully what travel risk management is or what duty of care is. And actually, we need to up our game as an industry. And there is a certification standard being written now. Um, I'm part of the group that are leading that. And that's a British standard which will complement the ISO standard, which will become a certification standard. At least that's the plan. We're putting it all forward now to hope that this is the case. So it's not a done deal. Um, but there's lots of industry experts coming together to sort of say, OK, well, if I was a travel manager and I wanted to align against 31030 and I want to choose a travel management company to work with, what do I absolutely need to know? 
what what absolutely is essential that comes from from this perspective when I'm thinking about travel risk. And then we're building this certification that that travel that travel management company or that hotel or that airline can then get to say, yeah, I've got this, which means I um, align to thirty one hundred thirty. So it's part of a kind of 10-year roadmap as to where mm -hmm. this is going to end up and this is the first piece because you can't fully align to 31030 if you don't understand your vendor management program and that's the bit we're trying to tackle at the moment and then that will allow it to flow so for now no and it's not likely to be for the future um but that you know we can never say never with these things they grow mm -hmm. late and, and and really the users will demand where this standard ends up so it's more about um, getting more and more people using it, getting more people understanding it. It's a really accessible standard. I don't know if you've had a chance to read. I'm sure you get a chance to read loads of standards. Um, but this one is really, um, really easy to read and understand. Mm -hmm. It's not sort of jargony. It, it makes sense. It's kind of logical. So um, the best bit of, yeah, that's the sort of best thing that you can do to sort of prepare for it rather than be scared of it right now. Wonderful. So um, this really leads me nicely onto my next question is how can people start using the standard? Okay, so I honestly, if I go back to who this standard is for, um, and obviously we talked about the fact that you've kind of got this split, you've got the kind of users, the end users for the standard from the corporations and the organisations, and then you've also got um, the, the travel side of it and it, they're, they're asking questions now about what they need to do so my advice is and I'm not I promise I'm not on some sort of commission for myself as far as this is concerned my advice is buy it mm -hmm. it's not that expensive I think it's under 200 euros um, and if you compare that to your travel program whatever you're spending it's nothing in comparison so have a look and just read through it and start thinking about where you're at as far as this is concerned. You don't have to bring in a professional to do that, you can. Um, but actually what you'll probably find is that most organisations are somewhere, they've got something in place, but it's about scratching under the surface a little bit more and finding out kind of really what that stuff you've got in place means and how it's being used. But the first thing to do is to, to purchase it and then actually think about within your organisation who are the stakeholders as far as this is concerned? So we talked about that a little bit earlier, the different departments, the different areas. Um, and if you use the idea of my people, my assets and my reputation, you'll build all of those stakeholders around that. And all of those people will have an involvement on this. That's the first thing to do. From there, you'll get an idea of where you are, what you need to do. And it may be that you need to bring a consultant in hope so um it may be that you can just talk to your travel management company providers and and have conversations around them um but the key is just 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 have a look and decide where you are don't just think because you outsource that you know where you are because that's something that's really kind of coming coming a little bit unstuck with at the moment they have to kind of bring this program back and they need to own mm -hmm. it themselves. wonderful and final question is this recognized in the industry it's getting there. It just won an award, which is excellent. Uh, so that was an industry-based award. Okay. UWC so have done a um, audit against the standard. I was talking about that earlier with a company called GSA, and they won the People's Award for the best duty of care risk management sort of piece, um, or the most innovative. I think that's really, really important. So it's been talked about now, and came, it came out in twenty one. Um, it was talked about before it came out. Um, and obviously it came at a point where people weren't really traveling. So it was sort of there rumbling underneath. 
but it is really beginning to get legs now. So I've seen it in tenders. I've seen uh, job applications talking about a different type of job. So rather than a travel manager, maybe a travel risk manager, mm -hmm. and they have to have some sort of understanding about the standard. So it's coming. And I think it's going to get to the point where when it starts being used regularly in legal or court situations, when now it exists, you know, in that situation, come, you know, the law has the right to push back and say, well, did you not put any of this stuff in place? Um, so even though it is just a framework and even though you don't have to, this this standard sort of sits, it's a, it's a moral compass. There's something different about this standard. It's not just about money. It is yeah. really about looking after your people and doing everything you can to protect them because that's what you'll need to be shown that you're doing. Um, in the event that something untoward was to happen. And I think let's just go back to the fact that it's not just big stuff. It's not just about managing risk. Lots of companies manage risk very well from a high risk perspective, from a high risk situation or being in high risk destinations because they're used to having to travel. This is this is about that, but this is also about the everyday. It's about knowing that you've got something in place that when you send a traveller abroad and they actually have a real problem at that point and they're really low as far as their mental health is concerned and something happens that triggers them that you've got something in place that will help that person in that individual need it's about somebody feeling that if they don't want to travel that they can actually say that that they can have that conversation with a business before they travel it's about talking to your travelers when they come back from traveling to understand to keep moving forward and to understand that each trip it has a has a is worthwhile and is and is mm -hmm. worth and is worth it. So it's um it's a lot more than just people may kind of think that it is, uh, but it sits really nicely with those companies that are really trying to evolve a risk management practice. It sits really nicely with business continuity. It sits really nicely with two seven zero zero one. It sits really nicely with nine zero zero one. Um, and of course, we talked recently, it sits very nicely with 45001. So from mm -hmm. the occupational health side, because these are your people. Now your people are on the move. And if I can give you kind of one strap line that I've started using when I talk about this to corporates, is I, I just simply say anything, anything that can happen to a human being can happen when they're traveling. Yeah. The problem is it's probably going to be worse because they don't have a support network of any kind around them, especially if they're traveling on their own. So that's what we're mitigating here for, which is endless. Uh, but it's not that difficult to do once you've got a framework and you start thinking about it in this in this way. Um, so yeah, that's, um, it is definitely being recognized within the industry. I took a slight curve then, um, <laughs> but that's just to show that, you know, that it's, it's, it's happening and, it's not a case of burying your head in the sand. It's a case of when are you going to start working mm. with this, I think. It still seems like such a new standard. So I think, as you said, once it starts getting more and more recognised, I think it is going to, you know, looking after your staff is becoming, it, it should have always been, but it is becoming more and more prominent in businesses now. So I think it's definitely one to watch. Absolutely. And I think it's essential for those coming into the workforce. And I think that it's, it's this genera these generations that are coming in underneath me, for sure, who are going to drive this because it's their expectation. I mean, you know, we got, you know, we just went, oh, that's just work, is it? That's just how things are done. These generations coming up underneath us, your generation are not doing that. They're actually saying, mm, you know what? No, 
not sure I want to work with a company that doesn't think about this stuff. And this yeah. is what the standard helps to to push forward. So yeah, I'm really proud to be part of it. It's really exciting. Sounds very exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more about it. So yeah. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I feel like this has been great. And I hope people can then understand, you know, why they can use this standard and why it is important. So I think you've done a really good job of sort of explaining everything and how it is flexible and needs for everybody. So thank you. No worries. Well, thank, thank you so much, like I say, for inviting me to do this. And I've really enjoyed it. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out the show description for links for more information on all topics discussed in the episode. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave us a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard or have any questions, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to one of our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All links can also be found in the show description. Have you enjoyed today's episode? If so, you can check out Bex's very own podcast, Talking TRM, which explores what travel risk management is in organisations. The podcast will feature Bex talking to a variety of people with a passion for TRM, exploring all areas of travel risk management to help organisations understand its importance and where they can begin their own TRM journey. Talking TRM is available on all major podcasting platforms. You can also find a link in the show description. This podcast was produced by Jessica Ingalls and is a Clemark Studios production.